everybody. It's Ben Reiser, uh, director of operations for the Wisconsin Film Festival and also sort of the head muckety-muck of the Wisconsin Zone Programming Committee. I'm here with Brody Koning, who was also uh, on this year's programming committee. Say hi, Brody. Hello. And we are uh, privileged enough to be hanging out and talking to Lori Felker, um, who is one of very few, I was going to say maybe the only filmmaker in this year's festival who has two films in the festival, but that's not true in that we're showing these two films by a French filmmaker who made two films in 1934 and 1935, <laughs> lived until 1972, but never made another movie and nobody knew anything about him until after he died and they rediscovered these two films he made. Louis Valray. So Lori Felker and the two L's, Lori and Louis. That's my dad's name. Oh, that's great. Uh, Not Val Ray, though, right? No. Uh, Anyway, Lori's got... Now, Lori has a a long history with the Wisconsin Film Festival. Um, I meant to write out a list of the movies. Do you remember? You can rattle off the films you've shown with us, Lori. The first film was Across and Down, and that Mm -hmm. showed in the... Like, there was like an experimental program a couple years running program by John Powers. Yeah. Um, Love John Powers. And then uh, Discontinuity was in Wisconsin Zone because by that point, I after that point, I had started working in Wisconsin. Before that, right. it was all Chicago. Um, and then I did show my feature, Future Language, which won a Golden Badger Award, which was very exciting. Did we have the uh, world premiere of Von Elmo? I think so. Yes, 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 yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Golden Badger winning. And and then we brought you back to actually be on the Golden Badger jury last year, right? Yes, right before the shutdown. So it was like one yeah. of the last things I got to do. <laughs> well, I don't know if I told you this, but we I, I, I haven't really told anybody this. We haven't promoted it at all. But we are showing all of last year's Golden Badger winners at this year's festival. Oh, cool. In addition to a whole new batch of Golden Badger winners, although we only have two winners this year. Uh, the festival is slightly smaller than usual, and the jury was having a tough time coming up with a unanimous decision on a third film. And I was like, you know what? We don't need to do a third film. Just Let's just give two two awards out. So, And those are both documentary features this year uh, that won. Well, that was a whole mouth. That's all the time we have for you, Lori. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, it was great hanging out. But okay, but so you've got these two films that you gave to us, uh, and we happily accepted both of them. And so for us, and I'm speaking for Brody, because what the hell, um, these films are sort of tied together, uh, you know, um, but I also feel like maybe they are for you too. They really do feel like Bookends. As a matter of fact, I th- I believe that we've programmed them as bookends to a shorts block um, uh, called Birth and Rebirth. Um, interestingly enough, um, and I <laughs> was like a mad scramble to come up with the names of these shorts block programs. And I was like, it was like one o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, yeah, let's call it Birth, Rebirth, and Afterbirth. And then like I looked at that <laughs> like two days later, and I was like, what the what was I? What's the matter with me? What the hell am I doing? So we removed the afterbirth um, and, uh, you know, although whatever. So um, Spontaneous tells the story of a miscarriage that you had. Uh, and, and and we're sort of treating these as like spoilery. We're, we're assuming that people are going to have watched the movies and then 
come on over to listen to a Q&A, sort of like the equivalent of a post-screening Q&A we'd have if you were able to hang out with us and we were able to actually be in a theater this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so spontaneous, uh, you have a miscarriage at uh, Slam Dance, mm-hmm. and um, not you, um, a very interesting uh, film, hard to, you know, that... That is that feels like it's in some ways it's a sort of a narrative, uh, but also feels like documentary. A documentary, yes, and, <laughs> and right. And it, and one of the things I was thinking about when I watched your films again for the third or fourth time, uh, like in the last twenty minutes, uh, was how was was uh, there's this interesting question through both films about. Where did this footage come from and what are we actually seeing versus what we're being told, you know, via the voiceover narration and spontaneous and, um, you know, the dialogue in Not You uh, is actually on screen. So maybe maybe that's the first question to, to start. I, 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 there's got to be a question in there somewhere. There's got to be some room for you to talk what about your own What are these movies? movies? And, yeah, when am I lying and when am I telling the truth? No. <laughs> well, sure, but also, but like, I, I, how much, how much actual footage or even still imagery from Slam Dance is there in Spontaneous versus just sort of stuff you've pulled from other sources? Right. Yeah. Uh, Percentage-wise, it probably ends up being 50-50. So, hmm. yeah, when I decided to make it a film, because it was just going to be, I, w- I wrote the story down as soon as I got back, because it was funny. I mean, it was weird. It was, I really did see John Hamm and, and think, oh my God, he's looking at me have a miscarriage right now. Like it's, <laughs> you know, and then I was Penn and Teller and like Natasha Leone, And I was just like, this is weird. And so I wrote it all down because I realized I kind of like to tell the story at parties when people asked if I was okay or whatever. And I would kind of tell all the details. And then, you know, it took about two and a half years for me to think it should be a film. I thought I was just going to like put it on a blog and then women would share the story, which is what I had experienced was reading other women's stories. And it was helpful. So I wanted to be a part of that. But then the first thing I pictured was this image of my torso in the backyard, like just kind of telling the story as a torso, the part of me that physically is experiencing the most of this. Um, and I, that's how a lot of films start for me is one weird image pops into my head and then I'm like, oh crap, it's a film. Great, here we go. And, and so- Did you have the image of holding the microphone to your, I yeah. don't know what? And, yeah. yeah, it was just like instantly like this, the, the, the part of that initial j- joke, which is a me joke, I guess it's a, it's because I'm also in front of a brick wall. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm a stand up comedian, but I'm laying down. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that, that because I, I, I'm a big fan of comedy and stand up comedy. And really, most of the best comedians are storytellers and people who tell, like Tignataro had that really amazing tour in which she talked about her breast cancer. And like, there was, there's been so much more of that from, you know, every, everybody from, Bill Hicks to, to, you know, whatever. Um, and so I was just like, okay, that's, I, I felt like I was in that realm. Like that's the way the voices were playing in my head and the story sounded in my head. It was like, you're not going to believe this story. Sit in for the long haul. It's really funny at times. And then, you know, but then this, the idea of like the torso and the laying down was a bit more like puts me into that sort of like medical doctor position and 
also thinking about, you know, yeah, the part of me where this is happening and the part of me that people are trying to put laws onto. Um, right. And so but, yeah. And so the, and so the, it's interesting because it, it, you, I, I'm just getting the, the sort of the joke about the microphone, like it's sort of the torso as a lie down comic um, <laughs> talking into that microphone, because whenever I see it, I'm thinking, oh, this is it's more like an ultrasound thing. Like you're like you're using that microphone to sort of find too, this fetal yeah. heartbeat. And so I'm assuming that that was uh, also a, a second meaning of those images or at mm -hmm. least like an inference. Yeah, and it's also like the that you see my belly a little bit in it, and that would actually be the belly of someone who had just who had had a baby, maybe like mm. the year before or something mm. when I shot that footage, about a year. Mm -hmm. You know, so there was a little bit of like pliability, and I was like, "This is we're still talking about this stuff that's like now it's all goopy and stretchy and different." And I just it, it everything like everything about that, and I it, it all just clicked for me. Like the microphone made sense, and the comedy made sense and the, even my backyard that it was a very personal space um to be in and then so then that added what some of the other sort of like b-roll like the fill-in footage would be you see the sky a lot in that backyard um the plane going by or the tree or something like that because i just wanted to give you my point of view so like maybe you could like get into the side view of this woman and like maybe subconsciously you would get the sense that you two are lying down so that my voice could in, in like take over your inner thoughts. Cause I really wanted to stick to trying to tell my story as if I were, you were really inside my head. Yeah. And that makes sense too. Right. Because now that I think about it, it's almost entirely sort of like without realizing it, I'm realizing, Oh yeah, we're seeing everything sort of from your perspective. Like we, we we see we see you only fleetingly. We see you sort of in that um, step and repeat kind of sh right. shot that you say you use as a headshot. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right. Otherwise, I think. And even uh, that, that's the photo hanging on the wall. So I was able to take the photo of my photo. Um, but yeah, but this leads to like the photos. There's there are a lot of photos that are photos I took at Slammed It. So I just went back to my phone and like tried to use just about everything. I, I cut out like really corny, you know, like selfies of me and friends because that I wasn't trying to get that view of it. It was right. more about me looking out and note taking as I was there, which I realized I did. Like I took a picture of the floor that said TMI. I took a picture of the like while I was sitting there suffering on that desktop, I pulled out my phone and I took a picture of that like amenities menu. And that's why I have that. And so it's like, why? It's something about me knew that I should like visually note take mm -hmm. um, these things. And then like they were all useful in telling, retelling the story. But are any of the shots of John Hamm actually a picture that you took of John Hamm? No, that would have been too embarrassing to like pull my phone out. On the <laughs> that street. would have been too embarrassing. Everything <laughs> right. else in the movie is fine, but if you're taking some of the Penn and Teller pictures are mine because I was hmm. sitting in the audience for one of their talks and I took some photos. Um, the John Hamm, I would not have been ready because it was just really like, oh look, there he is, and like that really quick kind of thing. Um, but the, like the Natasha Leone photo on the stage, like I took that photo because I was sitting in the audience, stuff like that. Oh, okay. So yeah. So actually a lot more of it is, is your stuff than I actually realized. Um, right. Most, and there's like the, like the movie trailers, there's like little snippets of movie trailers when I refer to things. And then John Hamm and like some of the like 
some a little bit of footage is just stolen from like cheesy Sundance commercials. <laughs> yeah. Um. Ha- I, okay. Two things. One thing I want to tell you this one little story. I, I don't know. I don't remember what year David Cronenberg's uh, movie The Fly uh, was released, but I was in was living in New York City. I think I was must have been in high school, maybe college. I don't remember. Uh, but I was with my friends in Manhattan and we went opening night to see The Fly somewhere in Times Square and it was just about sold out. By the time we got into the theater, the only seats that were left were in the front row of the theater. And then there were two empty seats next to us and I think those were the last seats in the theater. And just before the movie started, those two seats got filled by Penn and Teller. And so we saw The Fly with Penn and Teller. Oh, that's so fun. And but then the other thing they're there for us. Yes, they are. They're 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 like the through line for both of our lives. Um, And um, the but the my other question was: Have you have you have has Richard Kind seen this film? Have you have you tried to get this to him? No, I love Richard Kind. I don't know if I could handle it. I really do. I always have. I was like upset. I was really into him. I was a kid watching that Carol Burnett show. Um, No, he hasn't. Although the the filmmakers who made that short film Black Swell. Jay Koenig and um, David Rizdahl, uh, mm-hmm. they, they've seen it and that was really cool. Um, I do know someone who knows Penn and Teller and we were just talking yesterday about maybe sending it to Teller, which would be really touching. I feel like I know somebody who might know Richard Kind, so if you want. Um, but uh, <laughs> Brody, do you, you have anything you wanted to ask about Spontaneous while, while so I can shut up for a second? Yeah, well, with the spontaneous, um, as you've talked, it's a mixture of this comedy, this um, pop culture figures, and then also this really intimate personal story. Um, was there any edits in, of this short film that pushed one version uh, over the other? Um, and how did you find this in the edit? That's a really good question. I, th- I feel like the main editing came in the writing. It was just, it was like, the, I have to tell my story with the most detail and the things that I consider the most important. Like there are a couple of things that as I was actually editing the movie that I would cut out the dialogue and it's cause I it just didn't, it wasn't important enough to make it a 20 minute movie kind of thing. Um, and so the, the shifts, so I, I think I was always interested in it being funny and really detailed and personal and maybe a little gross and <laughs> maybe a little TMI, all of that stuff. So all of it was like always all in there. But where the real shifts came in and this, what it might appear to be was when I was recording the voiceover, like the tone that I read it in was, could change it immensely. I, I remember reading one one of the first ones and I would always record it like sitting on my couch holding that same kind of dynamic microphone because I didn't want it to sound like I was a a newscaster I wanted it to sound like I was sitting on my couch like recording like this and so it's it sounds that warm I guess but I um I the first one I did I I was very sad like I was reflecting in a sad way and the whole thing was like sad so sad and I was just like oh no this is not right because I was laughing I mean I had fun too when I was there and there are things that are funny and I can find them funny now and I could find them funny then so I was like how okay I need to work on the voice shifting I did another one and the whole thing was sarcastic apparently I sent it to a friend and she was like man you sound snarky are you okay I was just like I had a miscarriage and never and like I guess I just had attitude in the whole thing and I realized how it could change what the whole film was like, who, who am I angry at? Or why am I 
am I, am I really still crying, you know? Um, and so I, after doing it the wrong way a few times, I think I figured out a way I actually started to mark little notes like, okay, it's coming, Lori, this is where you're shifting towards, like, you can laugh, and then it hurts. And then you can, you know, be angry at somebody, but then, you know, it's sweet again, or something. Yeah, that's interesting yeah. to hear, especially because, um, like, it feels so natural seeing it, like, I, it just feels so right, like, and um, the recording is really strong as well. It feels personal, but it's well recorded. Um and yeah, I I never I guess until just hearing you talk about that now, I never even thought about your voiceover as a performance, and it certainly is. And um, it would be interesting to I guess to it's, it is interesting to hear about the process that that took you. Yeah, yeah, it's really easy to to mistell your own story. You know, it's like to be in a weird mood and to tell it, and then you don't realize it or, you know, you're just, it's coming off differently than you even wanted it to. And, and what I, what I really kept going back to was I wanted people to go back to how I felt at the time. So one of the lines that comes up a lot is the line, am I allowed to curse? I could say, yeah, F. Please. when I say like, and I say it, I, all my friends were there, my, there were so many boys and I said like, and there's so many fucking boys. <laughs> and I, I wrote that in my initial story because that's how it felt. And it was really funny on paper, but also like felt right. Cause they're, you know, it's mostly boys and all my friends are my good friends, beautiful, beautiful people. They were all boys. And so I, there was like no one who could connect with me on like what this feels like down here. And so it made me feel a little bit lonelier, even though they were wonderful, supportive friends. And I almost took out that line because it just sounded like I was man hating or something, but it, but I was like, no, that is, that's the feeling. Like that's the me waking up and just going, Oh, and I was like, Oh God, just a whole bunch of more boys again. <laughs> like I, and so I was like, no, I got to leave it in there because it's, you know, you are going to have those like out of line feelings that I don't have right now, you know? But it, it's interesting to me that you are, uh, were able to sort of uh, modulate and, and, you know, change the way you, you read your story into the microphone. Um, do you, do you have a background in, in performing or anything like that? Um, I didn't uh, until I did, I took in, I took three acting classes in the past few years. So I think the very first one I took, I was actually pregnant with my daughter who's now four. So, um, that that's about and th what, it, what I hit a point where I was just like I found myself maybe being a part of my own work a little bit more and more and more and teaching I teach at the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee and teach film students and it was like this section of what I was teaching where something was missing like I couldn't really speak with authority on how to direct actors other than me also being a director, but it felt like I needed to be on that part. So I, I do think that had something to do with it. Like getting, it was very embarrassing to like act in front of other students and a lot of adult students at a night class, the acting studio in Chicago. Um, and that, I think it helped me get over the embarrassment of working with my own voice. Did you, when back when you made discontinuity, did you have any thoughts about playing the female role in that oh that's a good question i don't even i don't think so no i don't think i would have had the guts at the time but what about now uh yeah i think so because now i think that's what not you is 
because mm-hmm. not you is i call it it's my second living room film both both discontinuity and not you are like almost all living room it's just like maybe peaks out onto a porch or into a nearby room um and they both involve for the most part two people and one person that interrupts the more i found these parallels the more i like pushed it actually i decided that they would be so i might make another one right so we've got to have a triptych we're gonna yeah do. trilogy but to, just to keep relationships and situations so simple so that like what happens in that space can be really confusing and dense. Um, I hope. Uh, and so I think, yeah, like that, not you was my way of kind of dipping into that. I'm so glad because I, I mentioned discontinuity in my write-up of not you for the, for our film guide, but I was also like, you know, I haven't seen all of Lori's films. I've only seen the ones that she gives to us to watch. And so maybe she's got a whole bunch of these things and I'm referencing this random one because it really, it, you know, I I don't remember what I said, but I think I said it was your funniest and creepiest since it's continuity, but, um, but, but it really does. Yeah. It really does feel like of a piece with that. So it's interesting that in that not you works both, uh, very much in relationship to spontaneous, um, and, and also discontinuity. And yeah, I'd love to see the third one of those. Oh Yeah. I, it hasn't hasn't popped into my mind. Yet. I feel like the pandemic has been like a creativity killer. <laughs> oh yeah. You know? But so speaking of not you, um, I also found myself having the same question. I think the first time I saw not you, I was like, oh wow, the first couple minutes of this is great. It's like Lori must have been shooting all this great footage of her when Elodie was this age and then thought, oh, maybe I should repurpose this into something that, you know, turns into this little narrative. Uh, but then when I watched it again today, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. She probably shot this whole thing like in two days and it was, and those, and all that, that whole great montage at the beginning was all a deliberate, like I'm shooting this for this movie. So do you want to reveal? It is, it is, a, it's gradual. It's gradual. So the pregnant belly footage was just me, um, trying to capture her moving. So that was just like footage I was gathering for myself, um, and I was playing a little bit with the 4K option on my camera. And I was like playing with my new long HDMI cable so that I could look at it on the screen while I was framing it. Like, and so I would just record a little bit in the mornings, you know, when I was about eight months pregnant or something. No idea what I was going to do with that. And then um, around the time that she was, you know, maybe three or four months, I started to get this idea of how interesting it is to be because it's if you could have this thought of feeling like really kind of boring when you're like a stay-at-home mom with a newborn like you're just like no one's going to care about this it's not interesting and then I was like no this is really interesting like all the stuff that's going on between the two of us and babies are cute and they're fun and they're weird and they have their own lives and then once I started thinking about that that's when the thinking about discontinuity came in because also in that movie I use cats there are nine cats in that movie and I don't direct them. They walk through the scenes and they have their own life. And I thought that was great. Like having a real wild card from real life mess up the scenes. And I was like, that's what a baby is here. I can't direct her. I cannot. And sh- I, that way we'll get to explore this together. So I started to record us on and off like over days. And I just kept putting the same outfit on her when I was like deciding to record <laughs> this stuff. So it, Cause I, I guess I started to, you know, I was like, this will be something I want it to be one day, but I don't know what yet. 
And then again, looking back at discontinuity, I was like, someone needs to interrupt us and break the bubble. And I came up with this. So the actor is actually an actor and he's actually, he was actually also my upstairs neighbor and a very good friend. And so I was like, would you, I'm going to ring your doorbell. Here's the little, like we improvised, but we wrote, you know, like what our interaction would be and who, what kind of a character he was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so, and yeah, and then it just kind of like blossomed from there, this idea of interruption. And then I, I just knew that the one thing, like the climax needed to be quiet and personal. And it was just that she has her period, which could mean anything. It could mean that, okay, now all of a sudden the beginning of pregnancy, like the that fourth trimester, et cetera, like all that's over. And so she's back to being a normal woman again, <laughs> so to speak. Or some people read it as that maybe she just had an, a miscarriage actually, which is possible. I wanted it to be really open about how like, you know, we just bleed again and we, and it's, and we're supposed to just be like, I'm just gonna go in the bathroom and bleed and I'll be back, no big deal. Like she actually wanted to take a moment and be like, and be alone for a second. And there's no way she could have explained it to him or probably even herself. And so it has to, it just wanted it to be quiet, weird. <laughs> Brody? Yeah, um, well, you're referring to the actor that you brought in. Um, and I just want to compliment you because both of the performances, the one that you give and the one that you receive from him are really strong. I remember when we watched this film um, in consideration, I said to the rest of the selection committee that I could have just watched that scene play out for even 30 more minutes, 45 more minutes, because like, the interaction and the relationship between the two were really interesting. So I'm curious, um, you being an actor and director for this film, not you, um, was there a director who you looked to in inspiration for acting or maybe even an actor who gave a certain performance that you were trying to kind of um, capture as well in this film? Ooh, this is a really good question. Brody, you've got all the good questions. Um, <laughs> sorry, I haven't complimented Ben on his questions yet. That's all right. I don't need it. I've got enough of an ego. I don't need any of that. Um, oh, gosh. I, I think I'm, I'm, you asking me that makes my mind go totally blank. I'm sure I was thinking well, of something in particular at the time. Yeah, I mean, as a viewer, like, for me, it kind of, uh, I guess hearing your process, it kind of strikes me as like a, like, almost like Cassavetes, how they would just be like these naturalistic, <laughs> like, okay. Well, yeah. If you want to talk about that and, and yeah, there's, there's two, like Cassavetes is constantly fascinating me and I teach some of his films and it like what I teach about them changes each time. Like sometimes I'm just so obsessed with Gina Rollins and her approach to performing. Sometimes I'm obsessed with the way that they clash and what that creates on screen. And sometimes just like the independent spirit in it, like, um, of the way Cassavetes like produces, creates a certain vibe on set, which really matters and makes a certain thing. And so one of the things about Cassavetes and Gina is this, this idea of like highlighting the woman and actually even um, focusing on like these moments where she's like being she's put she's like judging herself against a society like whether she's too old or she shouldn't be acting anymore or like what should she be doing like what's interesting like should she go to the bathroom or not right now should she have called her neighbor and like there's all this like stupid like invisible pressure in these 
women who are just like maybe solo on screen for a scene. And I feel like that energy kind of went into it just kind of like feeling, feeling that, um, yeah, that intensity in that moment. Um, that scene or that shot, uh, of the two of you having that conversation, there are these two fairly subtle jump cuts that happen. Um, and it, it made me, uh, it, 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 it made me think of a million questions like, well, how, you know, what was going on when you were shooting that scene? What, what, what did you cut out? Did you, are those, are we seeing those jump cuts as a sort of deliberate nod to like a dar or, you know, jump cuts or was there stuff where you guys cracking up and you're just pulling your things and what led to the decision to sort of not cut to like an insert of something and to sort of leave it in there as a jump cut? Great question, Ben. Thank you. God, <laughs> damn, finally. <laughs> So also to, you know, toot my own horn or refer back to my own horn tooting, um, it comes a little bit from discontinuity and the the joy that I got from all the jump cuts. That film was based on jump cuts. It was the plan from the start and it functions on moving jump cuts the whole time. Um, and I thought it just, I was always surprised by the magic of how it worked. And, and the, some of those jump cuts come from inspiration from, actually Lars von Trier and like breaking the waves where mm -hmm. you have like a side shot of somebody all of a sudden it's a jump cut to their face and that emotional shift you're like I get it I totally get it I didn't lose time she just feels different now you know mm -hmm. and I really love that and I love that energy and so in this I wanted to use it but I was like how is it going to work in this scene we actually shot the scene as the two people sitting far apart wide shot but then we shot all of Jared's close-ups and all of my close-ups um, and I think there was even a close-up of Elodie the whole time, my daughter. And so like, we have all this stuff to cut to and I kept trying to put it together and it just kept looking like a regular movie. And it actually, if you looked at his close-up and then mine, we were equals in the frame and we were like talking to each other. It gave us a conversation. I was like, no, this is a bad conversation. This is not working. We are too far apart in the room. He's huge in this little orange chair <laughs> and I'm on this couch with like a cat that's meowing and a baby that's because she was she she's yelling into my microphone a lot. Like you get some of her going and like this. There were times where she would just take her face, put it on my lavalier and it just blasts out the microphone. My husband had headphones on in the bedroom and he was just like <laughs> constantly trying to uh, save his hearing. Um and so that all of that weird energy of that wide shot is totally what I wanted. And then I was like, well, how do I get, you know, the best parts of this? And I was like, oh, this is where the jump cuts will work because then I can keep sticking to the wide shot um, and not use this other coverage, but I have to pick the right moments for the jump cuts. And so what I did was I picked moments that would have felt the most like a fissure. So when he says like, oh, you're still breastfeeding basically is his question. And I like, I say still, and then there's a jump cut. Cause it's just like, what did he just ask me? Like, that was weird. Like, I don't want to talk about, no, don't, let's not go there. Um, I forget when the other one is, but like, yeah, they're just, it's just enough to also make you wonder if this interaction might not have been even longer, mm -hmm. you know, and that there's yeah. just sort of a play with time too. Right. No, it's, it's, they're really interesting little cuts because they're, you know, they they don't seem to jump to like uh, more than a second or two later in the conversation 
uh, which is why I thought maybe they're maybe they're just making each other laugh, and she's just cutting out the the the, the crack ups in between the lines. Um, but I mean, it's it's great, and that I only I only started thinking about that maybe the third time I watched it, so it's not. It, it 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 absolutely does function, I think, in the same way that those discontinuity cuts function, where it just is there's something discomforting about it or something that you're mm-hmm. yeah yeah good yeah it's a very I mean it's a it's a really fun it's weird I wouldn't call it cringe comedy it's but it's kind of there's some of that in it but it's he's so weird in this scene <laughs> and the dynamic and is so strange that it. It's almost like it's a little bit scary. And I guess I called it creepy and when I wrote it up. But yeah, but, the, you know, you're kind of wondering, where's this going to go? Yeah. And he came up. Jared was brilliant. I mean, he's a, he was he's a trained actor and improviser. And some of his ideas like really added a lot because he, he came up with the idea of taking pictures of her when I went to the bathroom. And I was like, well, no, I don't really imagine you doing. And I was like, oh, no, that's exactly that's what we do. Right. It's always like, what can I sneak in a picture of? that I shouldn't, you know, maybe someone's bookshelf when they're in the bathroom or whatever. And the fact that he does it with a child and you don't know who he's like sending it to or saving it for, but it's also like a little quiet thing that he does. Um, yeah. Like that was huge. And then it gave a really good visual for shooting. I also, I also interpret that. And I love this about it. That it's this thing that guys do when they find themselves in a situation that they, never thought they'd be in or and, and and something for them to sort of show off it's like yeah no i hang out with kids like i'm cool <laughs> with a baby and like to sort of capture that moment to prove to other people that he's not just a fucking couch potato who's is upstairs playing video games all day right right exactly yeah anything else brody <laughs> um just regard in regards to both of them at the same time if you want to jump into that kind of stuff then. sure yeah, yeah. I think that these both work well together, and even prog- we're programming them together. Uh, like Ben mentioned, how we bookend a program with these two films. Um, so was there, and they work. Yeah, they work together visually as well, not even just thematically. But um, being in two different genres, was one did one film give you more challenges than the other, or did you enjoy the process of one film uh, making one film over the other? You know, it's really interesting as I was the, I was for the most part, I kind of sat on the editing of Not You for a little while. I think I shot it, I would have shot it in January of 2018, like December and January of 2017 into 18. And then I really didn't edit it until 2019. Um, I don't know. I think it was because I was busy with my feature and I just kind of like was finishing that up and going around with it and just wasn't working on these shorts. And then it was the summer of 2019. I made, I was editing and finishing up the shooting on spontaneous. I was editing, not you. And I was editing another short, um, called I can't, which is about a friend who passed away. Um, and I was doing all three of these at the same time. And honestly, what they were was they were rest from each other. Like I could shift my, because they, they all have like sadness and anger in them and they all have like comedy in them. Um, not so much, I can't, but like I would I would give myself a break and literally I had would have three timelines open and I would like close one, bounce over to the other. I would like take do two, one for two hours and it was like wonderful. And then my daughter has like some cameo in all of them at the very least. And so that was another thing that was kind of swirling around. Um, so I, I think they all kind of helped each other. But then in the end, when I started to submit them, um, P- 
people were choosing because I, you know, when you have three films that are all done at the same, they were literally done at the same time and people weren't choosing not you. And so I kind of stopped submitting it because I, I think spontaneous is kind of bold and gets attention. And so I started to wonder if not you was bad. <laughs> um, and so I stopped submitting it for a while. And then I was like, I'm going to send this to Ben. Ben's going to like this. And so this, this is actually really helpful because I feel like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I, the hardest part of not you is like fearing that like, I'm not a good actor or it's harder to pull off narrative because people have bigger expectations for their stories. You know, hmm. you, you can tell your story however you want. You can make an experimental film and define your perspective however you want, but you can't mess with people's fiction. They want it a certain way. And so I, I, it, I think that in the end makes it a bigger challenge. Well, I think that short films, short narratives function the way that can function the way that short stories do, where there's there are less expectations. Like, you know, those John Cheever stories are just like these little snapshots and they you know, they, they do have a deeper meaning, but it's also just kind of like, yeah, okay. There isn't a big climax. There isn't a, um, uh, well, first of all, why didn't we get the third one? (laughs) I don't don't know. I think because when I have three, it's like, sometimes I'm like, I'm picking and choosing and. Well, we should do uh, what we're doing for Amir Chikaros this week, which is that we're showing his entire trilogy at Cinematech online. So we should do that with you sometime in the next year i would love to I, do like a laurie felker program as cine, cinema tech i do have to say right before the pandemic hit on february 13th of 2020 um i did a program in chicago that had spontaneous discontinuity not you i can't this other film and um and one other short that the only one that Elodie is not in at all my daughter is not in at all but that when I was editing it, it's like an archival film piece. When I was editing it, she was like on my lap as a newborn. Um, and so I saw them all as like totally wrapped around this love. <laughs> um, and they played together. And some people were like, was that, that was like a feature film. Like people were finding all these connections and I was so happy. It was a really exciting happenstance. All right, but that you're saying you've been there and done that and don't want to. No, do that. I want to do it year? again. Oh, okay. I was like, I was like riding high. I was like, this is great. I'm going to take this program around the world, and then the world wouldn't let me go well, around. I, yeah, <laughs> like I interviewed, I interviewed Amir last week, and I said, have you thought, you know, because he's he is shopping around this family trilogy of his, you know, with uh, Dad's Apple and two photographs and Revza, and I said, have you actually thought about? just turning it into like a feature like you you know the films are different enough but i still think they would work you just call it paths to home or whatever title he has for the mm-hmm. trilogy and say chapter one two photographs chapter two and he's like oh my god i never thought of that. that's a great idea and I'm like, well, yeah okay. and then really what's the difference between a feature right. and shorts that belong together you know they move and they take up an hour and a half and right. people need to find the space yeah i i like that kind of stuff so I had this question that, that I kept wanting to ask, and then uh, somewhere in the last five minutes, it occurred to me: Wait, maybe I actually have the answer to this, because I haven't, I wasn't able to figure out. And I'm going to pitch you my answer just before you answer. So I'll see if I, if I, if I came up with it, or um, I'm totally off base. I don't really, I couldn't figure out exactly what "Not You" the title refers to, and "Not You." And then I just now was like, I think maybe it's that. Um, Elodie is not really playing Elodie. She's playing Georgie. And so uh, future Elodie 
when you show her this film and she can be like, why did you put me in this movie? This is embarrassing to me. And you can say, it's not you, it's Georgie. It's you playing Georgie. That is a good option. Um, the answer to this question <laughs> is all of the above. It will be. This is, I, I settled on the title. So I, the title comes from something that a kid said to their parent. It was like one of my husband's friends said that when he had a toddler, um, and you know how like a lot of toddlers prefer their mom for a little while. And he had walked into the bedroom and the kid was standing up in his crib and he, the dad went in to console the child and the child pointed at the dad and just went, not you. <laughs> and I always thought that was really funny. And I just love that phrase. Like it's so mean and it's so like whatever. But then um, I really absorbed it as like Elodie, like it starts off with like me. It's a picture of me right? You don't see my child. You see a picture of me with a really big belly. And then all of a sudden there's two of us and she's not me, but mm. we're constantly like on top of each other and we're one. And then when the neighbor comes down, he even says something like, are you alone? And I'm like, well, we're not alone. And there's a lot of like that. There's like little moments of that play. Um, and then he also, I also wanted it to refer to to Jared's character, the neighbor. Like I need help, I, I need someone to come here for a minute. I need someone to help me and be with me. And it, does it have to be you? I really <laughs> don't want it to be you, but you're there. So not you, but you. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's a any one of those where it's like negative or where do we begin and where do we end? Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, I had one other thing I was going to throw at you, but I don't even think I should. And so, uh, Brody, you got anything else? Otherwise, we can just say thank you so much, Lori. Thank you, guys. Thank this you. was really fun. Yeah, this was great. Uh, see you next year, hopefully, in person. Yes. And if and maybe if anything happens in the meantime, if I just, you know, maybe before the festival, I'll just come to Madison and we can hang out. Yeah. Yeah. If we're allowed. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah that would be fantastic yeah i was gonna i was gonna say i was gonna ask you if you feel like obviously you've had all kinds of success at film festivals including the winning the golden badger at our thing but i also wonder if you start to feel like you and film festivals are jinxed because you had the miscarriage with at slam dance and um and then i had this vivid memory of you being at Wisconsin Film Festival one year and your cat dying just as you were about to be interviewed on the radio. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, I forgot about yeah. No. And then of course like, there was the twenty twenty cancellation. You know, you were supposed to be a big part of opening night and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I was but. so excited about that. Um I yeah, no, not overall. I hope not. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, it but it makes it more Yeah. I think I just want to be at film festivals even more now. Yeah. And yeah. And most of the time for each situation too, it was like, I was in a comforting place. Like it's nice to have something going on, you know, after the Wisconsin film festival thing too, my, my cat did, and my cat was 20. So it was like a cat I had known for a really long time. Um, but she, uh, I went home and I edited her, edited her into the movie. Oh, so there's a there I knew I had footage of her like there was like top down footage of me like turning the pages of the book that I transcribed of Von Elmo's and I knew that 
there were times where I kept trying to record that. She kept walking across the pages and then I had recorded it. And so there's just one little cut of like a cat coming over the book. <laughs> that felt good. That's very cool. All right. Thank cool. you, Brody. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. It's great yeah, seeing thanks, you. Yeah, thanks, Brody. Nice yeah. to meet you. Yeah, nice meeting you as well. <laughs>